Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yeah, so we always talk about living in a Gnostic world. And the reason why we do is because the unbelieving are not understanding who God is. Again, we say they're Gnostics. The Gnostics, classically, as Irenaeus says right here in this section, they attributed to God an imperfect knowledge and an imperfect state of who he was. They viewed God the Father as a lesser being, a demiurge. And as Irenaeus says right here, perfect knowledge cannot be attained in this present life. Many questions must be submissively left in the hands of God because the Gnostic always has an objection to who the God of the Bible is. Why did he do what he, he's doing why are things this way? And then they conclude that he's a demiurge in their natural humanistic thinking. And so Irenaeus is going on and saying that creation itself, even though it tells us about who God is, it explains it to us, God alone is the only one who can declare the truth about what the creation is saying. Only the creator can explain the creation. That's fundamental to design, cosmology. If you design something, you know completely and utterly how it works. Same with God. God knows, as Irenaeus says, the reason why the moon waxes and wanes and what as to the cause of the difference of nature among various waters, metals, stones, and such like things, you know, we can understand a few things. On all the points, we may indeed say a great deal, Irenaeus goes on and says, while we search into their causes, that's what these masons are trying to do in manipulating the, the forces of nature. But they are the epitome of not knowing who God is. They don't know his name. They call him the great architect. And they think all the other, quote, gods can come in under this name and umbrella of the great architect. But Irenaeus is saying, no, the biblical God is the only one who explains with respect to his creation, which he goes on and says, which belongs only to God and others which come in the range of our knowledge, what ground is there for complaint if, in regard to those things which we investigate in the scriptures, which are 
throughout spiritual, we are able by the grace of God to explain some of them. While we must leave others in the hands of God, and that not only in the present world, we have to leave in the hands of God the unknowable things about creation in this present world, but also in that which is to come, so that God should forever teach and man should forever learn the things taught by him, by God. That's what God's interested in. That's what the gospel gives you. It gives you the ability to have God teach you himself. The the Gnostics have no one who teaches them. They are naturalists. They teach themselves. And their limited epistemology is corrupt. As the apostle has said on this point, Irenaeus goes on and says, that when other things have been done away, then these three, faith, hope, and charity, shall endure. 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. For faith, which has respect to our master, endures. In other words, we're always going to be believing in the Lord, even when we're seeing him face to face in heaven and when he comes to earth, unchangeably assuring us that there is but one true God, this face-to-face faith we're going to have, and that we should truly love him forever, seeing that he alone is our Father, while we hope ever to be receiving more and more from God. So we're going to be forever receiving from God. This is what the Gnostics don't understand. So they are questioning, 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 why did God do this? They're forever questioning, and when we give them answers, it's never good for them. It's never good enough for them, because really, they're not seeking answers. The only thing they want is they want to escape the responsibility of the Creator. And they say it. They, they view themselves as trapped in this cosmological continuum. They view themselves trapped because they can't accept the gospel, these Gnostics, these unbelieving. And people who always object to something about the gospel, even we would say, you know, the seeds that land on the thorns and the wayside, the birds of the air coming to they always have some objection too. That's why they never bear fruit. And they're sort of saying the same thing as Nazis. So we accuse these that are buying into the false gospels, all these things that don't edify into the truth. They're in a form of Gnosticism because they have some gripe about the way God has said in his word, 100% he's going to be doing things. Right? The false minimalist gospels and the people who listen to those gospels, they're Gnostics because they have some gripe against the full testimony of what Scripture is saying. They may not come out and verbalize them all, and a lot of times they don't, but if they are not accepting the full testimony of Scripture and believing every word of it, which is what we have in the covenant, that is a form of Gnosticism, because it is a disposition, a Gnostic disposition, the way the Gnostics were disposed to be in questioning something about God and not finding a sufficient answer in what God has already said. And they reject 
the testimony of Scripture in some way, in some fashion, for other things. And the Gnostics, the unbelieving Gnostics, the Gnostic world, that's all they're doing. But they're doing it to a literal sense where they're saying this demiurgic God that you believe in, that we Christians believe in, they accuse us, and that's what Irenaeus is dealing with here in this section, that he's giving all this reasoning here why God is not what they think in their humanism to be. Right? He goes on and he says that when they ask, for instance, he says, anyone asks, what was God doing before he made the world? This is some of the objections you hear from these people. Even all the way to our day. What was God doing? You know, where was God? You know, we tell him he's the eternal God. He's always been. We reply, he says, Irenaeus, that the answer to such a question lies with God himself. God's business. And then he goes on, for that this world was formed perfect by God, receiving a beginning in time, the scripture teaches us, but no scripture reveals to us what God was employed about before this event. The answer, therefore, to that question remains with God, and it is not proper for us to aim at bringing forward foolish, rash, and blasphemous suppositions in reply to it. And that's what they do, right, the Gnostics. They're foolish. They go into endless genealogies. That's the foolishness. They're rash. They're knee-jerking and going, oh, no, I can't accept that. They're, that turns into blasphemy. They start blaspheming who God is in reply to the fact that Irenaeus says it's not proper to question who God is. And what happens? Irenaeus concludes, so as by one's imagination, because really this is all they have, when they go into endless genealogies, they're going into imagination. They've left science. You see that with Gnostics all over the place right now. Whether it's the crazy loonies on the bin before it's a news website that are posting on a daily basis things about aliens and you know these weirdo wackos with their fake phony videos and hoping and believing the aliens are coming and there's aliens out there. They're imagining. That's all there is. It's just imagination. That's why they love to watch these Hollywood movies. They can get fixated on imagination. Irenaeus says, as by one's imagining that he has discovered the origin of matter, he should in reality set aside God himself who made all things. So he says, instead of imagining all these things, instead of going into fantasies about aliens and endless genealogies and all these things that they reply because they don't like the answer of who God is, he should set aside God himself as the one who made all things. Learn some humility is basically kind of what Irenaeus is saying there. Learn your place in the universe. In our natural state, we're nothing but ants, really. But Gnostics want to inflate themselves. Gnostics and their natural abilities and their pseudo-false spirituality want to ascend and inflate themselves. And it's all lies. 
it's a really good section, this section of Irenaeus, because it's really telling us what the Gnostics are really all about. It's very deep what Irenaeus is saying here, that perfect knowledge cannot be attained in this present life. Many questions must be submissively left in the hands of God. You know, Eugenie Scott, who was very famous back in the 90s and in the 80s, always saying that if we believe in God, it doesn't answer anything. But yet we've said, well, the only, the only other option is endless genealogies, which is what you people have. And that doesn't answer anything. We know you have an endless genealogical tree. What are you proving? You're only proving that you only know what's in the cosmos and not what's before the cosmos. And that's what Irenaeus says. They'll eventually get to the question of what was God doing before he created everything here. And Irenaeus is dealing with that Eugenie Scott type question. These people that think that man has the capability to have this perfect knowledge about the creation. Right? Because that's all they can see. They can't see spiritual truth just yet, apart from the unbelieving state of being unregenerate in the Holy Spirit. Apart from that, they cannot see the truth. So they're focusing on the Gnostics, this is what Irene is saying, they're focusing on creation, and they're trying to attain perfect knowledge by creation. The modern Gnostics, the transhumanists, have taken it one step further. They said, okay, well, we're going to take the engineering of transhumanism because they have figured out how genetic manipulation, you know, merging with chips, merging with robots, merging with a new biology, their engineering, whatever it is, they're trying to attain this perfect knowledge. But it's ultimately going to lead them to where? Nowhere. Because they're still trapped in the futility of the same regurgitating question about God. And Irenaeus again says it at the end, you need to leave this up to God and set God himself as the one who made all things. He explains how the Gnostics have an erroneous view of the Son and the Father. They view the Son as lesser than the Father, way, way lesser, which is sort of how the Gnostics view the Lord Jesus Christ, that he became God at the baptism. That's why we pointed out at some of these churches the reason why they have these archways and they have the baptismal in there is because what it's saying is it's saying that Jesus Christ became the Messiah. That's what these people, these Gnostics and these Freemason Baptist churches, that's what they believe. They believe Jesus Christ became the Messiah at the baptism. So they designed the baptismals in these archways, which is all the secret teaching there. But it's a form of demiurgic Gnostic mentality. There's an aspect here that Irenaeus is saying that the Gnostics do have successive efforts, right? They will tell you that science is self-correcting. Even though they're wrong, and they say, oh, we're just, you know, we're wrong, but we correct ourselves, and then we keep moving forward. You're not moving forward in anything. You're wrong, and your premise is wrong. That's why you're wrong. Because if you're right, your premise would be right, and you could move forward in being right, not attempting to move forward in being wrong. When you're wrong, it only proves that 
your premise is wrong. Because what is right is right by successive efforts at being right. When you're right, your premise is right, you move forward. When you do a mathematical equation, you don't get the equation wrong and then move forward in the equation by having a wrong answer. You have to have the right answer in order to move forward. So that's how science really works. But the Gnostics are trying to tell us that they're moving forward by the great amount of errors they're producing. And then what happens? They make another discovery and they find out that their previous assertions were totally wrong. And Irenaeus says, but God, being all mind and all logos, both speaks exactly what he thinks and thinks exactly what he speaks. We tell the Gnostics, say what you mean and mean what you say. There it is. Because they can't do that, you see. They can't mean what they say and say what they mean. Because they're Gnostics, they're confused. For his thoughts is Logos, and Logos is mind, and mind comprehending all things is the Father himself. He therefore who speaks of the mind of God and ascribes to it a special origin of its own, declares him a compound being as if God were one thing and the original mind another. So here he says that those that speak of the mind of God and ascribe it to a special origin of its own, right, this demiurgic lower lesser being, they think that there's a higher God above God the Father. And so they declare him to be a compound being as if God were one thing and the original mind another. So they have this other mind entity and then God separate. And a lot of these people have a duality, you know. Some of these ancient Gnostics believe that God was a duality. So again, with respect to Logos, when one attributes to him the third, in other words, the third position to the Logos, in this Gnostic cosmological hierarchy of the gods, place of production from the Father, on which supposition he is ignorant of his greatness. He doesn't. The Gnostics don't realize that the mind of God and who God is is all one. And thus the Logos has been far separated from God, as the prophet has declared respecting him who shall describe his generation. Isaiah 53, 8 that says he was taken from prisoners and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He's using Isaiah 53, 8, who shall declare his generation? Who will declare who God really is? The generation of God. But ye, the Gnostics, pretend to set forth his generation. They have fanciful pontificating ideas about the Father. And ye transfer the production of the word of men, which takes place by means of a tongue, to the word of God. They invent these myths by their corrupt carnal tongue. That's what Irenaeus is accusing them. You're just mere men 
speaking words out of your own lost wisdom. The production of the words of mere men, which take place by means of a tongue, they transfer and they say, oh, now this is the word of God in their pontifications. And thus are righteously exposed by your own selves as knowing neither things human nor divine in this Gnostic cosmology that answers nothing. So Irenaeus says, but beyond reason inflated with your own wisdom, ye presumptuously maintain that ye are acquainted with the unspeakable mysteries of God. And this is how they act. They get all inflated with themselves. Well, even the Lord, the very Son of God, allowed that the Father alone knows the very day and hour of judgment. So you see, in the Lord Jesus Christ humbling himself, as Philippians says, he entered the world. He did not view equality with God as something to be grasped. He showed us that in our human state, as the Lord Jesus Christ had 100% human state and 100% God, in his human state, he showed us the way. He showed us that, look, he didn't view, as the Gnostics view themselves, that they are equal to God in their human nature. And that's what Irenaeus is describing here. And he proved that by saying that only the Father knew the day or the hour that the Son was going to come back. If then the Son was not ashamed to ascribe the knowledge of the day to the Father only, but declared what was true regarding the matter, neither let us be ashamed to reserve for God those greater questions which may occur to us. For no man is superior to his master. We taught him on that recently, that the servant is not greater than the master. The Gnostics are always fighting in their, I'm going to be greater than my master. Right? The Gnostic myths. The apprentice is going to be greater than his master, they said in Star Wars. We talked about that. And so, that's Matthew 10, 24, Luke eleven forty. If anyone therefore says to us, how then was the Son produced by the Father, we reply to him that no man understands the production or generation or calling or revelation or by whatever name one may describe his generation which is, in fact, altogether indescribable. Neither Valentinius, nor Martian, nor Saturninius, nor Basilides, nor angels, nor archangels, nor principalities, nor powers possess this knowledge. So Irenaeus doesn't just accuse the Gnostics of not being able to possess this knowledge, which clearly they don't, because their Gnostic cosmology of the gods is impotent to answer the big question about who God is. That's why they call him the unknowable father. But Irenaeus goes the second mile, and he says, angels, nor archangels, nor principalities, nor power possess this knowledge either. So it wasn't even entrusted to those who are in the presence of God. That's probably one reason why you know, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, rebelled, because he was not privy to things about God, though he was right there in God's presence. Baroness goes on and says, But the Father only who begat, and the Son who was begotten, are the only ones who know. Since, therefore, his generation is unspeakable, we can't understand the eternal 
things of God in this present time. We're going to be taught by God for eternity, as Irenaeus explained earlier. We're going to be taught by God for all eternity. But in this generation, we cannot know the generations of God. Those who strive to set forth generations, they pontificate about what God was doing, which inevitably leads them into polytheism because they think he's reproducing himself. They think they're Nephilim hybrids, you know, these Gnostics, all these things they go into. You know, Genesis 6, Nephilim hybrids. They think God's allowing his angels to procreate and all these things. And it gets really bad with the Gnostics that are not even believing in the Genesis 6 fallen theory that's within Christianity. There are other Gnostics that are believing that humans are angels and angels are procreating, not fallen angels procreating, but human angels procreating. This is one of the doctrines of the mystery religions. Some of the secret societies, the Masons, all these people believe that you don't necessarily have to be a fallen angel to procreate. They believe that some of the archangels, the angels, the principal, they're all procreating and thus producing this hierarchy of plethora of polytheistic gods. The more gods you have, again, the more questions you have of the origins. If they're procreating and the principalities, the archangels and the angels and the fallen angels and everybody's procreating, you have more questions in Gnostic polytheistic cosmology than you do when you understand that these things don't happen because the biblical account is telling us this doesn't happen, that God is creator. He's not procreating, he's creating. There's a difference between creating and procreating. The difference is eternity. That's the difference. Those who strive to set forth generations and productions cannot be in their right mind. As much as they undertake to describe things, that are indescribable, for that a word is uttered at the bidding of thought and mind, all men indeed well understand. Therefore, who have excogitated the theory of emissions, they have invented the theory, have not discovered anything great. Emission, something that is discharged from another they have invented these ideas that one God is emitting from another God, discharging from another God, sort of like what evolution is producing, have not discovered anything great or revealed any abstruse mystery. Abstruse means hard to understand, something hidden, something secret. They're not revealing anything great any great mystery, when they have simply transferred what all understand to the only begotten word of God. And while they style him unspeakable and unnameable, they nevertheless set forth the production and formation of his first generation as if they themselves had assisted at his birth. Really good description of what Irenaeus is describing how they are thus assailing him to the word of mankind formed by emissions. So, as they invent, 
they think they're inventing realities. Right? The word of emissions, this is part of what you see in all these Gnostic heresies, especially like the word of faith movement. They think they're creating realities with their words. The Gnostics, this is a Gnostic doctrine, they think by inventing these mysteries, they are calling them into existence. That's what Irenaeus is talking about. He's really dealing with a lot of what we see in our day. We see all these Gnostics just speaking platitudes and attributing these platitudes as right because they're saying them. In paragraph 9, after Irenaeus goes on and talks about their system, they have no proof of their system, Gnostic polytheistic cosmology, in paragraph 7, he gives more scriptures to testify of who God is. But in 9, he says, but if any lover of strife contradict what I have said, and also what the apostle affirms that we know in part and prophesy in part, 1 Corinthians 13, 9, and imagine that he has acquired not partial, but universal knowledge of all that exists. This is what these Gnostics are trying to attain to. They also believe this in their perennial philosophy, that there is one philosophical idea out there coming from ancient ideas, mixing with modern ideas into a new universal equation of all things. If anyone thinks that they have not acquired partial knowledge, but universal knowledge of all that exists, being such as one as Valentinius, he thought he had per- perfect knowledge, or Ptolemyus, or Basilides, or any of those who maintain that they have searched out the deep things of God, let him not array himself in vainglory, boast that he has acquired great knowledge than others with respect to those things which are invisible. There's a meekness of wisdom we have to have. These Gnostics don't have it. Or cannot be placed under our observation, but let him, by making diligent inquiry and obtaining information from the Father, tell us the reason, which we know not, of those things which are in this world. As, for instance, the number of hairs on his own head and the sparrows which are captured day by day and such other points with which are not previously acquainted. So Irenaeus just says, look, you don't have perfect knowledge about all things. You're not omniscient. You don't even know how many hairs are on your head. You couldn't even count them. You can't count the sparrows that are flying by day. There's certain low-level observations that even these Gnostics in their vain glory cannot even understand. They don't even understand where consciousness comes from in our day. Yet they're trying to, these Gnostics, say that they have a greater, higher knowledge. Where our greater, higher knowledge is acknowledging we don't have perfect knowledge. Though we understand where their irrationality of endless genealogies is taking them, we don't go into that route because we know who God is, omniscient mind, and we can leave things in his hand until he begins to teach us. So we prefer to be taught by God instead of presuming on God. We prefer to be taught by God 
instead of presuming on God. The gospel gives us the ability to be taught by God, by the anointing of God, to understand these eternal things of God. Throughout all eternity, we're going to be taught by God. It is a joyful thing when you're taught by God, when you're sitting under your master. You have one master, the Lord said, even Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ is going to be teaching us throughout all eternity. The Gnostics aren't going to even be there. They have rejected the way of being taught by God for their own inventions and their own platitudes of their own vain thinking of worldly wisdom and humanistic thinking. Instead of saying, I want to be taught by God, they make assertions that are above God and then they place themselves in strife with God. God wants to teach us. That's what the gospel has opened up. The ability to have communion with God so God can teach. In the garden, God was teaching them, telling them, do this, don't do this. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're going to curse yourself. You will die. They ate of it and lost communion and ended up in strife with God. And that's where these Gnostics are. So these small things the Gnostics can't even see. There's something small like a numbering the numbers of hair you have on your head that Valentinius couldn't even figure out. But yet he was saying he had perfect knowledge. And so Irenaeus says, but if those who are perfect, quote-unquote, you know, you can say, do not yet understand these Gnostics, the very things in their hands and at their feet and before their eyes and on the earth, especially the rule followed with respect to the hairs on their head, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said, you don't even know how many hairs you have on your head while you're worrying about things. That's like speaking directly to the Gnostics here in context of what Irenaeus is saying, you could say. And when the Lord Jesus Christ says, don't worry, have faith in God. That's what we tell these Gnostics. Believing the gospel is going to remove all your worries. You're going to find the peace and joy, not the worrisomeness, the strife, the lack of peace of wanting to know all these questions. God's going to teach us. We're going to be blessed by God to have God teach us. And that's what a Gnostic should be thinking. I want God to teach me and realizing that that's what the gospel is promising, that by believing faith in the Messiah, God is going to teach us for all eternity. He's going to show us his love. He's going to teach us everything. His love, his creation, his, quote, generations of existence. The fact that he has existed from age to age, forever and ever. Not an idea of how many gods he created. No. His self-existence from age to age, forever and ever. So if we think about God's eternity, we have so much to learn from God. And this is where we stay and abide and remain and continue in the gospel, is in the learning of God. Where the Gnostic is superseding and going, no, I can figure this out on my own. I don't need God. I don't need the Holy Gospel. I can figure this out through my worldly wisdom, and they never do. They're always left with the same ultimate slander to God, the blasphemous, impietous, rash, 
questions that come out of their mouths. You know, why did God do this? Why did God do this? Why is God doing this? Why, 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 why? God's going to teach you in the gospel. If you get to the gospel and you are believing in the Messiah and you have repented of sin so that he can begin to teach you, he has to cleanse you first in order to begin to teach you. You have to have a willing, submissive heart for God to become one who's going to come and teach you. God has nowhere promised that he's going to come and teach rebels that don't want to be taught. I'm sure there are many teachers out there in public education that can attest to that. It's hard to teach these kids that are so rebellious. And God is the same way. He doesn't teach you until he cleanses you and makes you willing to be taught. And willing to be taught is hearing the calling of Christ. If they're following Christ, they want to be taught by him. That's what the gospel calls us to. The calling of Christ is to say, I want to be taught by you, Lord. So since the Gnostics can't understand these simple things of being taught by God throughout all eternity, they don't understand simple things like the very heads of their hairs being numbered. They don't know what that is. How can we believe them regarding things spiritual and super celestial, Irenaeus says. They claim more than what they really are. We can't believe them because they're so ignorant of certain base observations. We wonder about Gnostics. Why is it that they can't figure out something so simple sometimes? When they're floating up in their high gnosis, they miss the foundation by which all knowledge is attained. You know, foundation is down here. We just recently talked about that. There's a foundation. A foundation by which you're going to be learning. And you build upon that. And Gnostics always want to inflate themselves to be up in the super celestial, the Gnostic higher knowledge. They know better than everybody else. And up here where they think they're floating, they miss the foundation by which knowledge is based upon which is grace from God teaching you. RNA says because of that we can't we can't trust them. Because their spiritual things that they think they're coming to, their super celestial things and those things which are of vain confidence, he says, they assert to be above God. What does it ultimately take them to? Atheism. They are becoming God in their atheistic ideas. They assert themselves in their vain confidence above God. So much then I have said concerning numbers, names, and syllables, and questions respecting such things as are above our comprehension, and concerning their improper exposition of the parables. Irenaeus ends with this summary of the Gnostics, their numbers, their names, their syllables, the questions respecting such things as are above our comprehension, right? the questions of things that are way above the fact that we are going to be taught, but not yet. We don't have perfect comprehension now. We will be taught by God. And concerning their improper exposition of the parables, I add no more to these points since thou thyself mayest enlarge upon them. 
Arne says, I've said a lot. You need to think about what I'm saying. You need to enlarge yourself on the understanding of the fact that these Gnostics like Valentinius, Basilides, Martian, these guys, as they fancy themselves to know much, Irenaeus has dealt with every single point of theirs in these nine paragraphs here under this heading, perfect knowledge cannot be attained in the present life. Many questions must be submissively left in the hands of God. It's not just saying, oh, okay, we're going to leave it in the hands of God. No, Irenaeus says we're going to be taught by God. We're going to be taught for all eternity by God. And that's why we leave it in the hands of God, because we have an openness through the gospel that he's teaching us. Whereas the Gnostic is inventing ideas, thinking he's calling them into existence in the mythologies he's promulgating, as you see him now. We see this now. We see this now going on with how they're inventing these psyops, these false flags, they're doing things to bring in historical existence they think they're doing. But what is actually happening? Nothing but they themselves fooling themselves. That's all that's happening there. They're not fooling us. We see right through the invented mythologies that they think they're calling things into existence. And they're all doing it. The Islamists think they're calling Sharia law into existence by going out and fighting their wars. But none of them are being taught by God. None of the Gnostics. From the spectrum of the Hegelian dialectic of both sides and the war on terror that we're enduring in these days, none of them are being taught by God. And Irenaeus says that the reason why we have to leave it in God's hands is because God is going to teach us. We're going to have perfect knowledge. That is to say we're going to be taught by God the eternal things of his generation, of his existence, of his, from age to age, he is God. And that's enough for us to reject the doctrine of the Gnostics. The following chapter is about the future destination of the soul, so he goes on and talks about how Gnostic cosmology doesn't deal with the aspect of the redemption of the soul and all this stuff. But we wanted to deal with this issue of the limited aspects of what Gnosticism and Gnostics in their rejection of God and why they reject God because they cannot understand through their natural wisdom why they're not being taught by God. They ask us a lot of times, they say, why is God doing this? They ask us a question. And they don't realize, and they cannot realize right now in their unregenerate state that God is willing to come and teach them. God is willing himself to come and answer to them their questions. But they have to understand, as Irenaeus said, they have to understand their position. And their position is a basic position that within the creation of God, God has left so much intricacy and design of his mind, of his omniscience, of his omnipotence, of who he is. The design of the creation tells us that. And therefore, we learn our position by the greatness of who God is telling us his handiwork is explaining about himself. So we learn our position, and our position is to be taught by God, while God himself is our teacher. And that right there is the refutation of Gnosticism, when we are being taught by God. And that's why it's so important to understand what Irenaeus is saying right here in book 
2, chapter 27. Okay, that was edifying others. One of the more recent videos. You can find that on YouTube.com. Anyways, we'll spend a little time looking at the headlines. Yahoo.com. <laughs> that looks like it's number two. Um, how a Californian, how a California woman fell in love with a Vatican Swiss guard. Good morning, America. Okay. Next one is uh, from the New York Observer, St. Patrick's, Ireland, and St. Jeanette's Catholicism is becoming unrecognizable. And I imagine it probably has something. This see Massachusetts. Uh, this is kind of bunk port. Or always still within reach. What is most interesting about Jeb is that somewhere along the way, he, as they used to, something or another. Well, we'll look at what the heck. Point bringing this out is. Once again, why it's just one particular organization dominating the headline news. Of course, part of the reason is is that the leadership of Yahoo.com, the CEO and etc. are, of course, Jesuit-trained Roman Catholics. And, of course, talking about Jeb, Jeb Bush, someone who joined the Roman Catholic Church back in the 1990s in order to become the governor of Florida and, of course, now high probability to become the president of the United States of the Jesuits <laughs> and Rome, the Roman Empire. Um, by the time Jeb Bush turned Catholic, no one seemed to care or even notice. Uh, Pope Francis was Pope Francis waves to crowds during a drive in St. Peter's Square after delivering his blessing to the palms and the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square during a Palm Sunday Mass on March 24, 2013. Anyways, I have an Irish friend back in Boston who claims that we, the Irish who came to Massachusetts to work in the mills, a hundred more years ago, successfully drove the wealthy Protestants out, sending them to the Texas, to, to Texas and elsewhere in the West. But to what purpose? Very interesting article, isn't it, starting out? How often do you see something like this? And, of course, there's a lot of truth to what is being said here. Um... Uh, they daily find they were they, they, okay. they daily find they way back as Jeb Bush's American journey returns him 
to Maine, where his family has built him a nice little cottage. Interesting. He was not long in in a Texan away, quickly moving on to Florida. Moving back as that it was... I'm sorry, I'm really struggling with this because it doesn't make sense. As that is what you do when you move to California, say, or Texas, and return east, you move back, declared your ritualistic awakening journey west to be null and void. Okay. The Bushes were essentially Yankees in transit. And more than that, folks, they were Jesuit-trained Roman Catholics. Did you know that? Of course, Shrub Bush said that he was a Methodist, but of course... Of course, he was doing the Pope's bidding, the papacy's bidding, and going over there kissing the Pope's ring. Uh, what kind of a Methodist were we talking about? Maybe he was talking more about methadone than Methodist. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, so the Bushes were essentially Yankees in transit, Massachusetts, and. Where all were always still within reach, and that thing with the cowboy boots in H.W. When he was asked if he was really a Texan or really a Yankee, uh, he said, "Really a Yankee." <clears throat> and of course, it's locked up on me. Come on. Uh, what is most interesting about Jeb? is that somewhere along the way he, as they used to say, ooh, used to say, quote, turned Catholic, and a quote, my grandmother would have been delighted as the first connection between working class and wealth here was in the original paradigm of Henry Cabot uh, Lodge versus John F. Kennedy, Protestant versus Catholic, it became even the Marxist political style. Communists in the day and socialists like Dorothy Day would, quote, turn Catholic, end of quote, as it was the religion of the working people in New York and Boston anyway, and were where the, quote, working people, end quote, were primarily Irish, Italian, and some more literate Jews. And I don't know how to pronounce this. This is Quebec-Coas, Quebec-Coas in, uh, in, in New England and a few others, as scripted in the masterful uh, Con Brothers movie Miller's Crossing. Martin Scornese went so far as to suggest in Gangs of New York that we uh, proselyte of places like Five Points, South Boston, and other white ghettos 
an industrial revolution of the industrial revolution and were very real founders of America. And of course, if anybody studies a little bit about the history of this country, and you don't have to study that hard, you just have to show some interest in the religion's connection in this country, you'll discover things like the Ark and the Dove and the Roman Catholic's version of the the Mayflower and um, this the line of Roman Catholicism. Now they have masterfully taken over this country. And uh, the first and foremost, they used education. They took over the education system. From there, they then they took over everything else. <clears throat> but by the time Jeb turned Catholic, no one seemed to care or even notice. Which gives you a good idea of Protestants in this country. And basically how ignorant we are of what this country is really about. That's why it's so easy to send uh, or deliver all sorts of fairy tales and fables. Most people grasp onto them because you don't have a grasp of their own reality. And part of that understanding your reality is to know a little bit about your true history. <clears throat> Those of you know, remember the gangs in New York, you would have saw the all CNI in the square excuse me, the, rec- the triangle, and that is, people like to say that's the Illuminati, the symbol of the Illuminati, but actually, that's <laughs> uh, the Jesuits. And to the Roman Catholic Church, and you'll find that all throughout all sorts of cathedrals in this country and in, and in Western Europe and other places, and also, of course, in Freemason lodges, because, of course, Rome controls Freemasonry. They have for a long time. Anyways. Tudor is acting funny. See, for some reason I'm having little glitches right now. And of course I'm probably having glitches right now because, well, you know, that's uh uh, all that technically savvy. It looks like binary star left. Oh well, guess too. Thank you for still sticking around. Hopefully you're still sticking around. I'm going to check and see. Um, one of the problems is when I, whew, anyways, I try to. A lot of times these articles. They have their uh, cookies and all that and all their ads, and they slow me down. So, anyways, we'll see where we're at. So, St. Patrick's, Ireland. So, where were we talking? Okay, come on. Find it very interesting that they're finally fessing up after all this time. By the way, if Jeb Bush would have openly and publicly, nationally. Uh, two decades ago admitted well let's put it this way his handlers would have promoted the idea of him being a Catholic Uh, could have been poison for him as far as political ambitions of course when it came to the state of Florida 
it wasn't poison because as you discover, like most of the states around the Great Lakes region and Florida, there are Catholic states. So, in fact, you might find it very interesting. It'd be interesting to actually look into blue and red states and then um, overlay that with a Roman Catholic and non-Catholic states and see the correlation. What does it really mean to be conservative in this country? Well, the more and more I do my research on this, the more and more it seems to be associated with being Catholic. She's really trained in Catholic. It really doesn't even have much to do with a lot of your political, political stances. Of course, they're within them. They have liberal and conservative Catholics, Fascists would be your conservatives, and uh, your liberals would be your uh, communists. Isn't it interesting? Anyways, something worth looking into if you're interested. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, okay. It is, okay, it was too late. Americanism had taken us and was better, was the better bet. <clears throat> Who do you think would win in a street fight anyway? St. Patrick or Little Richard? One elderly Catholic priest back in Boston in the 60s said, quote, I just don't understand it. It wasn't as if they left the Catholics with any hostility. It was just like they took off an old cult and put it aside, end quote. Perfect. Then the church had changed as well when they told us to turn and shake hands with others in the middle of the Mass. My uncle said, quote, but you're not in my pew, end quote. I had occasion just a few weeks back to visit the graves in my uh, maternal line. <clears throat> Interesting how uh, earlier we were listening to endless genealogies, huh? The infants, a uh, hundred years dead, had only briefly saw the light of day. My grandparents, parents, and sisters, the very tall porcelain ancient ante, more recently over from the old sod, who, marry, who never married, and I'd never put it together before that they were all buried together in the same small plot of the earth with all the other Irish people in the old neighborhood. Many born in Ireland and looking alike as they had married together in the same town possibly since the 12th century. <clears throat> I noticed in the funeral mass that the priest was facing the people during the sacrifice. They had done it that way since around the Vatican II movement when they started shaking hands with each other in church. Prior to that, the priest had his back to the people, representing the people 
to God to offer up the sacrifice from the people of God to God. They then they flipped it. The priest, the priest, now facing the people, instead seeing himself as representing God to the people. As a ritual uh, reenactment of the primordial blood sacrifice, it made no sense whatsoever and has been called authoritarian, uh, dominating, totalitarian. Uh, uh, the troubling thing is that the uh, politicized church today no longer appreciates or possibly understands the difference. They are thinking about other things. They are thinking about marketing. I can still recite much of the Latin mass and smell the glue in the old black prayer books with their onion thin papers, pages and steamed to hold their, your your place, but when I but when I die, they will more likely be reading the Buddhist suttars, a practice acquired on a tour of duty in Southeast Asia. <clears throat> Today, St. Patrick's Ireland suggests instead a St. Jeanette, as uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, Sartre dubbed rebel, activist, and iconoclastic author Jean Jeanette, the Thief Journal. The Ireland of a hundred generations and a hundred thousand ancestors and blood relatives preceding has finally passed. Not because they have legalized gay marriage, but because in a world without fences, Ireland has become an, as Americanized as Cleveland, as the Roman Church, as, as everything else has. <clears throat> And, of course, if this grand New World Order is a failure, they can always blame America. But I'd like to tell you, I lived in uh, Great Britain and spent a lot of time in Western Europe, and it's the complete opposite is what's actually happening, although, they, yes, they have McDonald's and Burger King and Pizza Hut the truth of the matter is, it's the other way around. From my own eyes, from what I can see, the world is not becoming Americanized. It's becoming Western Europeanized. Europa! And that's the way it is, folks. But people focus on the superficial. They'll focus on fast food joints. And they don't focus on the big picture. We might want to call it a form of feudalism. Anyways, Pope Francis, the single dimensional, full, fully uh, politicalized uh, 
a rock and roll pope, unpope, anti-pope, came to us, first on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, gives the wink and the nudge. Who am I to judge? <clears throat> Quote from him. To the Irish, to the PLO, to his full political agenda, in an age of incredibly shrieking men, Pope Francis opens new frontiers. He most resembles the priest in, is it Louise Morel's The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie? Who really wants to be a gardener? <laughs> and if you believe all that, then most foot property for you once again and Indiana for you. Very cheap. Indianapolis, Indiana. But there is in this no breakage that which was once for the intuitive uh, poetically inclined deeply spiritual and introverted Irish, quote, the church, end quote, has lost its polling power to the aggressive and intentionally extroverted and uh, politicalized American tempo. Got to blame this country. Got to blame everything on this country. Blame it on us. Gone even before the 60s in the, in the Vatican II, when tens of millions suddenly said, why brother took off, uh, took off the old coat. Man, it just moved on me again. I'm almost done here. Ah, I hate that when they do that to me. Sometimes it's not worth reading these articles, except for the fact that it's important to stay kind of in present time, you know, don't you think? But the, 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 the reason why I say it's not worth it is because of cookies. I mean, I get so, my pewter gets so corrupted by these articles, I have to clean it up all the time. Anyways, uh, look at, you know, so where are we at here? The American Temple, gone even before the 60s in Vatican II, and tens of millions suddenly said, my brother <clears throat> and took off the old cult rolled a jumbo and instead followed the Beatles in a horde here, there, everywhere, then onward to India and waiting and waiting embrace of the uh, Maharishi Mahish Yogi. We would have left the church anyway and would not have turned back there is no longer any place left to go home to, even then. Interesting that that came out of the headline news, didn't it? Interesting. The factions will start revealing themselves now as uh, the biblical historical antichrist, the high priest of Satan himself, will come and visit this unholy corporation. And why not? It makes all the sense in the world. For they own the joint. 
A lot of stuff about the Irish and gay marriage and how they feel very betrayed by the hierarchy, but then it should be no surprise since the majority of the priest's craft in Roman Catholicism and many in her daughter churches already are homosexual and pedophiles. And if you paid attention to this show, you would have known that that is the truth. (laughs) And it actually comes from their own hierarchy. Offerton Post, uh, so I just skipped by the way a bunch of other articles about Ireland and the Catholic Church. It says, Dublin's Archbishop, Catholic Church needs a reality check. The Catholic Church needs, quote, a reality check in the wake of the same-sex marriage referendum, needs to ask it if it, if it has drifted away from, etc. <clears throat> and, of course, the church, and as they always the blame, they blame us for all their moves, whether it's the hierarchy of the uh, Roman Catholic Church or if it's the elite in the ruling class of this country or any country, they always blame the average person for their own decisions. Of course, they're the ones that have been pushing this, and they've been pushing it a long time, and pushing their filth. And why wouldn't they? Why? What, who would benefit the most of all in legalizing gay marriage? Why? That would be the priest class. But they're so progressive, they care so much about people. Now... What they really want in the end of the day is for the world to accept their debaucheries, their filth, their perversions. They want to be at the point where it's okay for people um, to accept their Satanism, their pedophilia, their child abuses. And by the way, it's not fiction, it's not opinion. Even the town that I live in, there's famous cases of priests practicing satanic rituals on people in their church. Women and children, nuns. And of course, we have this great look here of Huffington Post, of Johnny Depp, 10 years in prison for what? I don't know about that one. <laughs> Probably it's right time he has to pay up, pay the piper. One another person who uh, proudly is a Satanist, a Luciferian, is that uh, in his great human, humane endeavor to free the Memphis Three. three young men who killed little children in and satanic rituals. Isn't that sweet of him? And of course, his job has been under the Jesuit-controlled Hollywood empire to pollute the masses and Gnosticism, isn't it? Endlessly learning, but never coming to the truth. Don't give anybody the truth. Give them anything and everything but the truth. 
for the truth who set you free, and of course it turns out to be, and I had no idea most of my life this to be the case, to be Jesus Christ. And that has nothing to do with being a Baptist or, uh, or who, whatever. It's Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and unfortunately, we're discovering over and over again that the leadership in all these organizations and all their splinter groups that they imagine, amazingly have done, because we all have forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ and putting that first. Most, most of us have forgotten what the gospel actually is. And then there's idiots like me who never were taught it until now, 47 years of age, and now figuring it out. Of course, by the miracle of God, I am figuring it out because it has nothing to do with me. Anyways, we're going to read Ephesians. Yes, from the King James Bible. And yes, we did have shows about the, the King James only uh, conspiracy or King James onlyism, and uh, you'll find that most of those who expose the coldest nature of that, we still read the King James Bible. <laughs> we never told anybody. I never told anybody. Even James White never told anybody not to read the James, the King James Bible. And uh, so I would strongly suggest that people actually listen to him and not to listen to all the hyperbole and all the false lies out there. They really spend the time, which means you're going to spend some time, not a 15-minute blip where you think you're hearing the truth from somebody that you find out later that they never even read his book and really don't even know his stance. By the way, I was that person, so... When I say that, yes, as the old saying goes, and I might be one finger pointing at them, but there's three pointing at me, so I'm just as guilty. That's why I strongly recommend people give the man a chance before you condemn them and make the mistake that I did because you might actually learn something of real value. Anyways, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints of Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined, predestined us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us acceptable in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Well, that doesn't mean... Wow. Saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. 
All right. Wherein he hath abound, bounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Dang. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, and ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, unto the redemption of the purchased uh, possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes Remember, we've talked about before last week, what is the seal? The seal of God is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. It's not some day in the week. All right. Where should we go from here? I don't know if anybody's... I guess, too, if you have any comments, please send them my way in the chat room. If not, since we read Ephesians last week, I think what we'll do is go to another book in the New Testament and read from the person that seems to be hated by so many and loved by the few, all. Let's reread. There's Romans, Acts. Romans would be a good one, wouldn't it? I read that already, so it's never... Let's see. First Corinthians. Um, I think what I want to read is... Uh, maybe Colossians. Uh, how about the how about Philippians? We'll just read that. <clears throat> and of course, I'm going to try to do my best not to piecemeal it, uh, cherry pick it. Just read the Word of God, and those who find it 
unbearable. You can do it yourself. It's be better. But uh, for those who do understand why it's important, of course, it's to do our best that we can in reading and context. The scriptures. Let's put KG. 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 Uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1, Tom and uh, Timotheus, uh, the servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always and every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your self for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for you to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you, all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Of course, that is not Gnosticism that he's talking about. That ye may approve all, approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto you have fallen out of fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. 
the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set from the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectations, expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all of your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrifying by your adversaries, so and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of a perdition, but to you of salvation, that of God, for unto you it is given in the belief, or excuse me, in the behalf of of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Now there's some collective consciousness, huh? Some real consciousness. Not that New Age nonsense that I used to be a part of, believe it or not. Chapter 2. If there be therefore any uh, consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, 
If any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, and being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done there. Uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Thinking about others. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with him. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and bow of things of heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Oh, well, there goes Genesis 6 out the window. Doesn't it? God, I'm so... Dear Lord, I'm so sick of hearing about this Nephilim nonsense. When will it end? I guess it will end when people start reading their Bible. <laughs> I guess that's the only answer. You stop letting other people do it, and you do it yourself, or listen to someone who's willing at least to read the Bible to you, and not just make comments for an hour about it. Okay. That's right. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Gee, you think that we live in a crooked and perverse nation? Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, 
yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send uh, Timotheus, or whatever he pronounced his name, shortly unto you, that I may also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. But we, but ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. He therefore I hope to send presently. So soon as I shall see how it will go with him, excuse me, go with me, I should say. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you uh, Aphroditus, my brother and companion in, in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nine unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, therefore, the most carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service towards toward me. Chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of this, the, cons, the conscience. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. What a powerful sentence that is. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit 
and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any if any other man thinketh that he hath what whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, and touching their righteousness, which is in the law blameless. But what thing were gain to me? Those I counted lost for Christ. Yeah, he was a really religious person, wasn't he? And real fanatical about the law. And had no problem persecuting people and throwing them under the bus if they didn't follow it his way. Of course, it's Christ's way, which makes us all equal. Huh? And it's a lot more uh, peaceful and enjoyable and um, not so burdensome, huh? Oh, how we love our bondage. We really do love our our servitude. We really do, don't we? We have a hard time breaking away and putting trust in God. I look at a guy like Obama, and I see the most enslaved of the slaves. I don't see a free man. I see a very sad man. Oh, how grateful I am that I am not the President of the United States. The President of the United States. States. Okay, where were we at now, this? So, yeah, so he's talking about him, you know, how great he was. So, yeah, doubtless, I count all these things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge. All that is lost. But lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him and not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteous which is of God by faith and I hope people who do listen to this if they can tolerate my voice recognize the importance of reading things in context and when people start splurting verses at you, turn them off. They have, they have lost their right to be heard. Read in context. That's one of the most powerful lessons I've learned since I started this show. Maybe one of the most useful bits of information I've actually got. Read in context. 
and how amazingly easy it is for all of us to be manipulated and deceived by listening to someone, a wise man in God. Quote experts here and quote a worse there, and they can sound like they know what the heck they're talking about. When in reality, they're like every other con artist out there. But when you read in context, I don't have the privilege to deceive you, do I? I don't even have the right to do it. Now we know what it means to have private interpretation, don't we? Read in context. And I, you know, I, I things that just drive me nuts, I see all these people that call themselves Christians. And maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe they're true believers. But when I see them behave by throwing scripture at me and other people out of context, I see a con artist. I see uh, someone who has mastered the art of manipulation through the Word of God. And I don't think they even realize it. How do I recognize that? Well, as an ex-Mormon missionary, and we had our discussions, we did the same thing. Even much worse than the Baptists. Or the Roman Catholics. Or everyone else, for that matter. I think the safest bet we have is read the Word of God in context. Which means, yeah, we're going to have to read more than a verse or two. Damn. We're going to have to give up our, at least for me, my laziness <laughs> when it comes to this. Which I... It's the way it goes. <clears throat> I don't like it. I'm just like everyone else. I've been spoon-fed all my life, especially with what goes between my ears. And uh, now I'm going to have to be a little more disciplined, huh? So where are we at in all this? Uh, yeah. It, so they didn't want to comment too much here. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. And the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. The power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable unto his death. If by any means I might attend, attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I followed after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this is 
one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, if you notice something else, when it comes to reading the King James Bible, you've got to slow down big time. And when somebody starts to regurgitate a bunch of verses, tell them to slow down. And if they won't, then walk out of their church. Read yourself. You don't need them. They need you more than you need them. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk so as they, so as ye have us for, for an example. Example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now to tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. I don't want to be that person. Help me with that. It doesn't matter what other people think. Just God, don't let me be an enemy of the cross. <laughs> the rest can think of me that way, but please. Whose end is destruction? Whose God is their belly? Whose glory is their shame? Who mind earthly things? <clears throat> the God is their belly. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto yourselves? That's amazing. You know, when I. Uh, uh, Paul's writings never made any sense. Me until I let go of this legalism that somehow any of my works are going to make a difference. The Sabbath issue, for one thing. Now, reading this stuff, it actually makes sense. And as far as if everyone else and their mother disagrees with me on it, then so be it. At least it makes sense to me. And I think we'll end there. It's been an hour and 50 minutes, and I haven't had enough. So. Unless somebody has anything to say, we'll check one more time. And if nobody does, nope, no one does. Excellent. All right. God bless and take care. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.